Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to a special season preview edition of the No Huddle Show. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always, well, I guess as always, but it hasn't been, it's been a while. Elliot Stewart Parks, Matt Lombardo, they both cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. You've heard a lot of podcasts from this this crew over the past couple of months, but not many as the three of us all together. So we're coming back together for a season preview. Elliot, we'll start with you. It's been a while since the three of us have done a podcast. Um, and it's I know you're, you're taking over my hosting duties, man. I know. Like, I, I, I was I was in the zone. I was feeling it, and then you came in and just showed me up like that. So yeah, just, I'm happy to I'm happy to have you back on, though. Well, I took it back over. No, you guys have done a great job with with so many of the um, the daily and, and weekly podcasts. And Matt, it's been a while since so three of us are back together, but it's a fun time. The season's about to begin here. It's the best time of year. You have training camp and the meaninglessness of preseason behind you. And we have a game to focus in on Sunday. And hope springs eternal for a lot of teams across the NFL. And it should be a really entertaining Eagle season with a lot of questions yet to be answered. Yeah, that's for sure. And we'll start with the questions. And, and Elliot, I think the interesting part about this season, as we head into the week one, Eagles are going to be in D.C. You guys will be there against the Redskins. Is there's expectations now. Last year. There was intrigue because Carson Wentz was about to take his first start. We didn't know anything about Doug Peterson, new regime, how he's back in charge. But there weren't expectations last year. I remember our first podcast, uh, you and I and uh, Mark Eckel did last year. There, there were very little expectations. This year, you could tell the fan base is starting to get excited that this team can be a good team. What do you think about the expectations that you're feeling for this team? So when I knew we were recording this podcast today, um, I was waiting to put out like what I think the season's going to be like on Friday. Then I, when I realized we're doing this today, I was like, man, I actually got to come up with some predictions. Like this is probably one of the hardest teams in all my time covering the Eagles to figure out because you talk about the expectations. And I think those expectations to a certain degree are unfair because I look at the roster and it seems flawed in a lot of areas. And, you know, it starts at the top even outside of the roster. It's just, you know, with Doug and Howie, we're going to talk about Doug. But figuring out what this team should be able to accomplish is difficult because I think the division around them is not very good, and I also think the schedule breaks for them well. So on one hand, I actually just look at the roster, and I'm like, this is a seven-win a seven-win roster, seven-eight-win. But I think because of the way the division is and because of the schedule, I could see them winning nine games. And if they could get to nine, I mean, I think the division is within grasp. So – Trying to make my final prediction, I guess I'll have to at the end of this podcast, but even right now as I sit here, I just can't decide what I should realistically expect from this team, and I also can't decide what you know, what should be the barometer for success this year, both from Doug and Carson and the team as a whole. I just, it's just very difficult to figure out this year. Hey, Joe, feel- should we be surprised that Elliot and I really disagree here on all those fronts? No, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> that, that's what, that's what's become of this podcast. Yeah. You guys yeah. disagree. Matt, what's your feeling on the expectations? Well, Matt, I'm, explain I'm, I'm not, why they're going to win 12 games. Go ahead. Well, no, I, actually, I'm going the other way here. I'm, I'm not okay. sure where you look at the NFC East and think that it's not really good. Where I, I look at the, the Cowboys and the Giants, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, even though Kirk Cousins and the Redskins always play the Eagles well— I look at the NFC East as being arguably the most competitive and talented division across the NFL. And I look at this schedule and I look at the first three weeks of the year. I actually have picked them to start 0-3 because they never play well at FedEx. Kansas City is one of the most difficult environments to play. And the Eagles traditionally don't play well against the AFC. You have the Giants with the best cornerback group in football, three of the top tier wide receivers in football. Then you go cross country. And that's not even 
even the toughest part of the schedule, guys. You look at that final month where you have Seattle and L.A. back-to-back, the division opponents and the Raiders who are a Super Bowl favorite. You get a little bit of a boost there on Christmas at home. I think that nine and seven is the absolute ceiling for this team. But if they struggle out of the gate or if they don't finish strong, I don't know that they can get back to seven wins. I don't, I don't see this roster being Elliott quite as talented as you do. And I think this division is much more talented as a whole than I think maybe you give it credit for. So, so I think what, what I, what I should have said, and I think those were, those were very, very good points. What I should have said was not that the division's not talented, I just think that everyone's going to kind of be in a bunch. Like, I don't see any team running away with it. So I know me and you, Matt, have a bet going on how many games the Cowboys will win. I think the Cowboys are going to win less than eight games. I don't see this as a team that's going to be able to rebound. Traditionally, they don't do it well in the history of their franchise. They don't handle success well since their last Super Bowl, which was almost 30 years ago, I guess, at this point. But I just don't see the Cowboys having that good of a season. I think the Redskins and the Eagles are very, are two very even match teams. Um, and I think the Giants are maybe a little bit better than the Eagles and the Redskins. So I think all these teams are going to be in a bunch. But the one, And I agree with you, Matt, about them starting slow. I, I think one and two as opposed to 0 oh and three. But I could easily see them being one and three because that game yeah. at the Chargers is not, is not an easy one. But where this schedule does kind of break their way a little bit is so after the t- tough initial stretch, you get four out of five at home with the Cardinals, Redskins, Niners, Broncos all at home. Um, so I think that th- those are very winnable games, in my opinion. Um, the Redskins, that you know, you get them at home. That's a game, even though they never beat the Redskins, you would think they'd be able to win. Um, so I, I think it's not so much. I shouldn't have said the division's not good. I just think they're all kind of very even. All the yeah, I, I think I think there's something to be said for that. But I, I also just look at. You know, there are a lot of moving parts. You're bringing in Alshon Jeffrey with very limited preseason reps and training camp reps, for that matter. Torrey Smith, LeGarrette Blunt, how does he integrate into the backfield? And you're asking this offense with Wentz to come together right away with three of your toughest games right out of the chute. And then when you'd expect them to be hitting their stride late in the year, you have four or five of their toughest games against some of the most talented teams in football back to back to back. I'm not saying they can't make the playoffs, but I feel like everything has to go their way. The Cowboys have to stumble, which I like Dak Prescott a little bit more than you do. And I think that their season is going to largely hinge on whatever happens with Ezekiel Elliott. But I think the Giants are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else in the NFC East. I think the Cowboys are the lead of that second tier. And then it's a coin flip between the Eagles and the Redskins. But, you know, it's, you know, pre-week one here, and a lot of things have to shake out, including whatever happens with Ezekiel Elliott's suspension. But I just think the Eagles, this could be a struggle based on all the moving parts in one offseason and the way the schedule sets itself up. So I look at the NFC as as more wide open, I think, than you guys. Regardless of who it is, the Giants or the Cowboys, probably at the top right now if we did like a power ranking. I I don't think the gap between those teams and the Eagles is as big as, as as it was last year, certainly. The Cowboys won 13, Giants 11. Eagles only won seven, and the Redskins were in the middle between those teams. But you guys both mentioned early season and it is it's not easy uh, whether they're going to go 0 three mat or one and two or two and one whatever it's going to shake out it's, it's not going to be an easy start and this I mean we could already feel it I'm sure you guys can if they have a tough start the questions about Doug Peterson are going to start because they did try to improve the roster there are a lot of people that still question Doug including Mike Lombardi we can get into those comments Matt I know you wrote about them over the weekend but how about just the pressure on Doug Peterson this year to take this program forward Elliot After year one, 
I thought Doug did, all things considered, a pretty decent job. Seven and nine with a team I didn't think was very talented and a rookie quarterback. How do you feel about Doug heading into year two after watching him uh, all training camp long here, Elliot? So not to ride the fence, but I think when I when I look for when I look to this team, what they're going to do, I don't think Doug really sways my opinion one way or the other. Um, maybe leans towards hurting them just because, I mean, I thought Mike Lombardi's comments were fair, to be honest. I know everybody's ripping him, but Doug was not qualified for this job. Doug didn't get another head coaching interview besides the Eagles. If the Eagles didn't hire him, I guarantee you Doug is not a head coach, and he might never become a head coach. So the comments about him being unqualified I thought were fair. Now, I can't speak to 30 years because I'm not even 30 years old. So Lombardi knows a little bit more about that. But I do think that when you talk about just pure his qualifications, he, he was correct about that. Now, the question is can Doug kind of – prove everybody wrong and I would be surprised I think Lombardi said 51 games he'd be surprised if he made it there I'd be surprised if Doug made it there too but the thing Doug has going for him is his his fate is kind of directly tied to Carson Wentz and I'm a big believer in Carson so I do think that helps Doug but when I look ahead to the season um I do think that he doesn't sway my opinion one way or the other I don't think they're going to be a playoff team because of Doug but I don't think with Doug as their head coach, they, they're like absolutely never going to make it. All right. Before we go on with this, and we'll get Matt's thoughts on um, what Matt, Mike Lombardi said. I, I think it's wrong because of this, Elliot. If he said it last year at the same time, it would have been a hot take. It would have been whatever. But but like, all right, you can't argue with it because you're right. No one else gave him an interview. He was one of the less qualified guys to get a job, at least in recent years. It wasn't one like of the probably was, least qualified. Not Yeah, just I would agree qualified. with that. Yeah. But he's already had a year. <laughs> Where he did, I think, a pretty decent job. He went like the way people talk about Doug. It's as if he won two games last year. He already had a year as a head coach in the NFL, which I think makes Lombardi's comments they don't make any sense right now. It's not like he's a first-year coach. Well, he already did this for a year. And, and yeah. look at look at Sean McVay and and him getting hired. I'm not sure what his qualifications were. I'm not thinking that that Doug is all of a sudden Bill Belichick, but. You know, he did play backup quarterback in this league for Doug, for, for Don Shula, for Mike Holmgren, for Andy Reid. Reid was never a coordinator before he took the Eagles job. And I think the fact that these comments were made now, it, it's kind of silly because, as Joe, as you pointed out, you won seven games with a rookie quarterback last year. And albeit you had some rookie mistakes with, you know, having Carson Wentz as a lead blocker coming out of the concussion protocol, challenging a two yard gain against the Packers. Rookie head coaches are going to make those sort of mistakes. But in terms of evaluating Doug, this is the year because you went out and just like we've talked all offseason about them bolstering the talent around Carson Wentz to facilitate his growth and development. That growth and development is in Doug's hands. It's in Frank Reich's hands. And there are no excuses anymore. It's not a subpar sub NFL wide receiving core that Carson Wentz is working with. They have one of the top offensive lines in the game. And if Wentz struggles, if Wentz doesn't progress, if he regresses, I think that's as much an indictment of Doug Peterson as it is Carson. So my only problem with that with that is we all kind of just agreed. Or I don't know. I guess, Joe, I don't know if you think they're a playoff team or not, but I would say you probably lean towards them not being a playoff team. Um, we all kind of agreed this is a flawed roster and they're not probably a playoff team. So it's hard for me to say that this is a make or break year for Doug. I agree with you in terms of Wentz. Like if Wentz looks bad, if it's like week seven, the Eagles are two and five and Wentz is looking good. Like get Doug out of their ASAP, like get him away from Carson. You know, I don't, you know, just you know, get him out of there. But if this team finishes eight and eight, Carson plays well, 
He looked, you know, he has 25 touchdowns. He looks good. I think that it's okay for this team not to make the playoffs and you can still have some faith in Doug just because it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. So if we don't think they're a playoff team, it's hard for me to sit here and say that they Doug should be fired if they're not a playoff team. So I have them, and I guess I have to make a prediction by the end of this episode, but I have them at eight and six coming home against the Raiders and Cowboys. Now I, I got to figure out if I think they're going to lose those two games because they're both tough games, win one of them, go nine and seven. That's probably the most realistic thing, uh, just because those are two tough teams, Raiders, Cowboys, to finish the season. So I don't think this is an 11-win team. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Elliot. It's not like we're talking about an 11-win, 12-win right. roster where, man, they better win all these games. Otherwise, um, they're screwed. But you guys brought up Wentz. Uh, Matt, you, you've seen him all summer long. You know, From what I've seen, he looks to be a better quarterback. He looks to be more comfortable than he was just a year ago. And, you know, we'll talk about all the pros and the strengths and weaknesses of this team. But if Wentz takes that leap, that proverbial leap, that could make up for a lot. What do you think of Wentz get into his second year? Yeah, I, I agree, Joe, that, that if Wentz takes that leap and if he's mechanically more sound than he was a year ago, decision-making gets better and he doesn't sail balls over the middle of the field into double coverage that lead to interceptions like we saw against Cincinnati and against Green Bay last season. I, I think that you know this team could win nine or ten games if everything goes their way and he makes that leap forward. But based on everything we've seen in training camp, I think you saw a quarterback who was working through his mechanics. I talked to John Filippo one-on-one early on in training camp, and he said the one thing they've noticed is he's holding the ball much higher in the pocket, which is leading to not only a more accurate pass, but one that arrives into the hands of the receivers quicker, which is going to lead to more yards after the catch. You see the footwork get better, and, and I think during practice there were some inconsistent days as he was working on these mechanical adjustments with his throwing motion and his footwork and working through things, but Given the amount of talent they brought in here around him and given what I think we've seen in the preseason in the games against the Dolphins and against the Packers, I think there's every reason to be optimistic that Wentz is going to take that leap. But we just have to see him do it consistently for 60 minutes week in and week out for 16 games. And, and that's what this season is all about for me. It's not about wins and losses. It's not about playoffs or no playoffs. I'll evaluate the Eagles. I'll evaluate Carson Wentz. And I'll evaluate Doug Peterson based on what we see out of Wentz this year compared to what he brought to the table a year ago. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Carson, when I talk about the difficulty of deciding if they're going to make the playoffs or not, Carson is literally the only reason I think they have a shot at the playoffs. I think the defensive line is good, but probably being overrated by people. The offensive line is good. Um, you know, ranking them number one, pro football focus, probably a little high, and they didn't look good in the preseason. The receivers, to me, are not as good as people think they are. So I don't think this team has much to like. You know, the general manager and Howie obviously has never even won a playoff game. So, I mean, there's not a lot to like about the team, but look, it's like, I've always said when Sam Bradford was here, if if the quarterback matters a ton, and if I think there's an argument to be made that when we record a podcast after the last game of the season, we're sitting here and saying Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in this division. And if you have the best quarterback in the division, then you have a good chance of winning it. So I think Carson, I agree with what Matt said in terms of you have to see it. Uh, obviously, Carson's numbers last year were not good. Um, I think to me, the bar I'm setting for Wentz is 3,800 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. That's what I think his you you got to see out of him, just bare minimum. So I think that that's what I would like to see. But 
do I think he can ca- – I don't know if it's fair to ask him to carry this team to eight or nine wins. So I do agree with you on that, Matt. But I think Carson is going to be really good this year, and I think if he's really good, that's why I think this team does have a chance. You know, off of what Elliot just said, Matt, what do we think – and you guys have seen them in practice every day, so I think you both have a good perspective on this. What kind of team – should our listeners, should Eagles fans expect this year? I mean, stylistically, I mean, the way they're going to play every week. Because, I mean, you guys wrote about it. There was so much debate over the past, what, two weeks leading into the cutdown day, leading to the 53-man roster about the backs, Pumphrey, Clement, five backs, four backs, three, whatever they're going to take. And I go back to this, Matt. Uh, Doug Peterson is a protege of Andy Reid. Yep. Last year, they, they threw the ball 58, I think, 0.1% of the time. They have better receivers now, if not great, better receivers. Um, and Carson's going to be in his second year. I think this team's going to throw the football a lot. I think they're going to rely on Carson and, and a passing game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they run the ball more. What do you think? When you look at the team, let's start with the offense. Sure. What kind of team do you think they're going to be? No, I think you're spot on, Joe, in your assessment. We know Doug Peterson likes to throw the ball. The only way that I think that they don't wind up putting a similar workload on Wentz when he broke the rookie franchise record a year ago with 607 passing attempts is if they're leading games late in the fourth quarter and the defense is doing its job and you're just trying to salt out the game with Wendell Smallwood and and Darren Sproles grinding it out. I think that you're going to see Carson Wentz drop back 500 to 570 times. They're going to throw the ball and I think that Ertz is going to be a big part of the offense. I think that you're going to see them stretch the field quite often with Torrey Smith. And I think that Darren Sproles out of the backfield in packages where him and LeGarrette Blunt are on the field together, giving defenses that kind of dual look of, are they going to pound it up the middle or throw it to Sproles out of the backfield? Those are the, some of the unique wrinkles that I think might be yet to be unveiled. But I think it's a pass first team until they need to try and grind out a win late. But in today's NFL, guys, you look across, it was something like 87% of games were decided by 10 points or less last year. So I don't think think the Eagles or any team for that matter is going to be in a position to really shorten the game by running the ball late. So what that's going to mean is Carson is going to have to throw the ball 500 to 580 times again. And that's where we're going to need to see better decision making, because when you put that kind of workload on a quarterback, he's going to have to deliver. Yeah, I I think. Wentz throwing the ball 607 times again this year shouldn't be completely ruled out. I mean, he threw it a ton last year. When you look at this team. They are best at passing the ball. I mean, Wentz is one of your best players on offense. Alshon's one of your best players. And Ertz, those are probably your three best players, if you're not including the offensive line. Those are probably your three best players on offense. So uh, this is a team that should throw it. Um, the running ga- the running game is going to be a concern. Uh, you know, even throwing it 607 times last year, I think they were in the middle of the pack in terms of running the ball. So it wasn't like they never ran the ball last year. They just ran a lot of plays, plays on offense. So I think... Wentz could throw it a ton this year. I think that's what you'll see. Um, I think, you know, Alshon's going to get a lot of targets. I think Ertz is going to get a ton of targets. He was targeted a ton in training camp by Wentz. And I think you'll see the backs. I go back and forth on whether LeGarrette's going to be the number one guy. Um, I think they've practiced him like that, and they've treated him like that in the preseason. But the difference is Sproles hasn't played in the preseason, at least not. I think he played maybe one one of the games. So um, I think Blunt's going to get a little more than people think. But I think overall this is going to be a passing team again. Defensively, Elliot, let's go to you on defense here. You mentioned the defensive line earlier. They, 
I, I think the perception versus reality of the Eagles defense is fascinating because last year, I think if you just went up to just people randomly on the street and said, where do you, where do you think the Eagles ranked defensively in 2016? I, I feel like people would say, I don't know, 18, 20. They were 12th in points allowed. That leads you to believe they're pretty decent. And now they've added Barnett. They've added Ronald Darby. Do you think this can be a top 10 defense this year or is that too much to be expected based on the personnel they have? It's a tough question. I mean, I think there's a possibility. Yeah, I don't think Ronald Darby helps. Obviously, he's an upgrade over Leotis McKelvin. Um, we'll see if he's an upgrade over Nolan Carroll. I think he can be. But, I mean, Darby wasn't that good last year. And the thing about the defensive line is I think they're very deep on the interior of it. Um, Timmy Jernigan didn't have a huge preseason just in terms of his, his performance in the games. But I think he's going to help Fletcher Cox a lot. My concern with this defense, when people talk about how good it can be, is the defensive ends. So I think they'll get a good pass rush, but when none of your defensive ends had more than five and a half sacks last year, and I'm not saying sacks are the end-all be-all, but when none of them had more than five and a half sacks last year, Barnett's a rookie. He's looked good, but he's still a rookie. We don't know how he's going to do. And I will say, in the one game where they gave him you know, a considerable amount of snaps against a first-team offense against the Dolphins— he wasn't that great. He didn't have that much of an impact. So we'll see what you get out of Vinny Curry. But my biggest concern outside of the cornerbacks is the defensive end position. I think at linebacker, they're fine. Um, the safeties are, are pretty good. We'll see how much they have to use Malcolm up in the uh, nickel corner role, which I think hurt his performance a lot last year, having to do that so much. But this team is going to live and die with their defensive ends, in my opinion. And I don't think you can say you know what you're going to get from them. You right, don't. I, I, I don't think you do. Matt, <laughs> Matt, your, your thoughts here. Now, I, I think that the defensive line is the strength here. And and I'm not sure. I look at that game against Miami, and Barnett had a couple of hurries. He flushed Cutler from the pocket when he was in there with the first team. He has a high motor, both in the pass rush and in, in the run support. I, I look at this team, and it's going to be penthouse or outhouse as far as the pass rush goes. And I remember watching every snap during those joint practices with the Dolphins. And there was one day where Jay Cutler was something like 10 of 16 for, you know, six, 16 touchdowns and five picks. It's either going to be, you're going to get sacks on, on quarterbacks. You're going to generate a lot of pressure, or you're going to give up the big play deep because until Ronald, Ronald Darby proves that he's more a resemblance of the player. He was a rookie as a rookie versus who he was a year ago. He's a little bit of a question mark. Jalen Mills, starting on the outside is probably, you know, a short-term role for him because Sidney Jones, when he gets healthy next year, is ultimately going to replace him. But I, I look at the front four, and I think that when you can rotate your defensive tackles, Cox, Jernigan, Allen, and Qualls, Chad Qualls had a tremendous preseason in terms of a pass rusher from the interior, and then your defensive ends with Curry and Graham, even though Curry, I think, is a little bit of a question mark this year. Barnett, who I think had a big impact in the preseason in camp and in the games, and a veteran like Chris Long, you're going to get pressure on the quarterback. And if we know anything about Jim Schwartz's defenses, it's that when you pressure the quarterback, that's when good things tend to happen, particularly if you don't have to blitz. And as far as the linebackers go, Guys, they can't afford an injury. If Nigel Bradham gets suspended, if Nigel Bradham gets hurt, if Jordan Hicks gets injured, 
you're kind of in a world of hurt there. Yeah, Michael Kendrick showed you in the preseason he can be a playmaker and step right in, but he's not the primary backup. That's Najee Good. Camus Grugier-Hill was more of a special teams player than he is a true backup linebacker. So not having adequate linebacker depth is something the Eagles need to hold their breath every Sunday that they get through the game healthy with the likes of of. Kendricks, the likes of uh, Hicks, and the likes of Brad. See, but my, my thing with the defensive line is we probably would have, if you could just take what we're saying right now and just change some of the names up, we're probably saying the same thing at the beginning of last year in terms of this defensive line is going to carry the team. They're going to get consistent pressure, but they didn't get consistent pressure last year. For all the talk about how good they were going to be, I mean, Fletcher Cox was extremely hit or miss last year. Some games he was really good, other games he wasn't there. Brandon Graham did get consistent pressure, but again, only five and a half sacks. I think they only had 16 total sacks on their defensive ends last year. Yep. So, as much talent as there is, we've been talking about this defensive line being talented for a while. I've yet to see them go out, much like you said with Wentz. We can talk about it, but I need to see it. I'm not ready to say, yeah, the defensive line, they are the best unit on the team probably. But, I mean, one unit has to be. The Eagles aren't a very good team overall. I'm not ready to sit here and say that this defensive line is a sure thing that they're going to come out and dominate. And that's, again, one of my concerns with the Eagles overall. Like, where are the sure things? Where are guys where you look and you say, you know exactly what you're going to get out of this player? And I understand that's a bit of a rarity in the NFL overall, but I just don't see where on this team you can look and say, I know what I'm going to get from this guy. And that, yeah, I that's think the my- defensive line is, is the closest, and I'm with you. That That's why I think it's a struggle for this team to go 9-7, and seven, and I think that there's even a chance that they go 6-10 and 10 or worse this year based on the schedule wow. and all the moving parts that have to come together. I don't think there's a lot of sure things, but I'll just look at the defensive line and along the interior, as far as, you know, the scheme goes, Tim Jernigan's a better fit than Benny Logan. Tim Jernigan's a pass rushing interior defensive tackle. You put him alongside Fletcher Cox, all of a sudden you can't double team Fletcher Cox because you only have a run stuffing Benny Logan next to him. You see what I'm saying? So you're going to get no, yeah. a gap pressure. And if you can rotate in a Derek Barnett opposite of Brandon Graham, that's going to be, you know, you're going to get some pressure from all fronts. And that should, in theory, lead to more turnovers or lead to quarterbacks having lower completion percentages and perhaps even more three and outs for opposing offenses. Listen, I, I don't think that this is a defense that's going to be, you know, an elite defense, but I think that it's, it's talented enough for this scheme to be somewhere in the top eight or top 10. I think it's an interesting point you brought up, Elliot, or the way you framed it with uh, sure things. And they, you're right. They don't have many. There's a lot of variants. I mean, you could see Alshon having a big year because he wants a contract. I could also see him getting hurt or having a hamstring issue or the shoulder from training camp and just kind of being a bust. I could see that. Torrey Smith, there's a lot of variants. He could bounce back or he could be the guy he was in San Francisco. So give me a sure thing. Let's do. Let's talk about some guys that maybe you are sure of or as sure as we can because it's so, the NFL. I'll – I'll start. I'll throw out Brandon Graham. I think he's a sure thing to be a good pass rusher. I don't know if he's going to take that leap to be a double-digit sack guy, but I'd be surprised if Brandon Graham isn't a good, a consistently good defensive end the way he was last year. I think he's a positive for any defense he'd be on. I'll I'll count Brandon Graham as a sure thing. Elliot? My, my sure thing would be Zach Ertz. Um, and again, like with Graham, I don't know if Ertz is going to get to double-digit touchdowns, but I think you know you're going to get from him. You know he's going to be a safety net over the middle for Wentz. You know he's probably going to catch 
you know, 60, 70 passes. I think he could be the leading receiver on the team this year. Um, so that would be my short thing. The other two that I would say, just guys where you know what you're going to get, Rodney McLeod, I think, is a guy we don't talk about enough. Everyone likes to irrationally rip him for that stupid play against the Bengals where people think he didn't show a lot of effort. But he had a pretty good year last year. He's a playmaking safety. He's good against the run. So I, I think he's a short thing. And then, so I won't take all of them because I want Matt to go next. But the last one I'll say is Brandon Brooks. I think when you look along the offensive line, there's a lot of questions. But Brooks is one guy I think you can depend and you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, the one name that nobody's mentioned here is Jordan Hicks. And Jordan Hicks might be yep. the best player on this football team. And yep. I think he's the most important player to this defense because he's the quarterback on the field. He's a guy that I think if he stays healthy for all 16 games, which he struggled with in his first couple of seasons, there's no reason he can't be between 85 and 100 tackles. There's no reason he can't intercept three passes. And there's no reason why we can't look up at the end of the year and think that he's a pro bowler and a second team wall pro. So if I'm looking for my sure thing on defense, I think number one, it's Jordan Hicks. Number two, it's Fletcher Cox, because I think we all kind of know what Fletcher Cox is, but having Tim Overpaid. Jernigan play against is him. That <laughs> <laughs> yes. You put Tim Jernigan next to him. He's already a game-changing defensive tackle. I think he has a chance to be first-team All-Pro this year. And if you look on the offense, I agree with Elliott's assessment of uh, Zach Ertz. And I look at Lane Johnson as another guy. That right side of the offensive line has a chance to be one of the best right sides of the line in the NFL. And I think that yo-yoing back and forth between right and left tackle might have hurt Lane a little bit during this training camp and preseason. But you put him alongside Brandon Brooks for an entire 16 games. He's a road grader in the run game. He's a dominant pass blocker. And we saw last year when the Eagles had Lane Johnson healthy, you know, it was a completely different scenario for Carson Wentz. He seemed more comfortable in the pocket, had better decisions, wasn't rushing his throws, didn't have happy feet back there. So I think offensively, the two closest things, the sure things that you're going to find are Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz. Let's do some X factors here. And Matt, you, you kind of set it up. You kind of transitioned us to that because Lane Johnson is my X factor for this entire season. If we're going to name one player and let's remove Carson Wentz from this, because I think that's too easy. The quarterback is obviously the X factor for a team, but outside of Wentz, I'm going to say Lane Johnson's the X factor for this team. Five and one when he was there last year. And if the offensive line is going to be good, he better be good. And I think there's there's a, a lingering doubt in the back of my mind of how good Lane Johnson is just because it's a guy that's been suspended now for whatever we want to call performance enhancing drug supplement use. Um, he's a guy that was a former quarterback that has gained a lot of weight and strength over the years. I just want to see Lane have one full year of dominance clean and without a suspension. And then I will say, okay, he is as good as I think he is. So I'm going to say Lane Johnson to move this offensive line to a different stratosphere and to be good all year at right tackle He's my X factor for this team to be uh, as good as they can be. Elliot, who's your X factor? To me, it's Alshon. I think that you have to have a big year of, out of Alshon if this team's going to be good, just because he's the only real option they have at receiver that's going to be able to potentially dominate opposing secondary. So I think at the end of the year, if you told me what Alshon's numbers were, I'd be able to give you a pretty good indication whether or not this was a playoff team because he, he ties into everything. He, he helps Wentz, which obviously we've talked about how big he's going to be this year, what, what the Eagles need from him. I just think Alshon, they, he was brought in here on the one-year deal. I think if it gets to week 10, 11, and Alshon's not having a good year, things could really get ugly uh, around the Eagles because they're probably going to be a losing team. Alshon's going to be getting ready to hit free agency. So I just think what happens with Alshon this year 
is going to be a major indication uh, of how they do, whether they're make whether they're able to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'll go same position, different player. I look at Torrey Smith, and I look at everything that he's been able to do in practice and that one 50-yard touchdown catch that he had against the Dolphins from Carson Wentz on his one target in the preseason. He's the closest thing they've had to a deep threat since Jeremy Macklin was here, since Deshaun Jackson was here. And, and that's really an element of this offense that's been missing for the last three to five seasons. And I think that he's much closer to the receiver you saw in Baltimore than what you saw last year in San Francisco. I do think that with him, the concern was, does he still have the speed? And everything I've seen in practice, everything we saw in the preseason says, yes, that speed is still there. And if he can get behind opposing secondaries, even if it's just for one or two of those big plays a game, all of a sudden you got to respect that. All of a sudden that opens up more room underneath for Zach Ertz. All of a sudden the run game might be a little bit having a little more space to operate because safeties can't creep up towards the line of scrimmage. I think that if you look at the offense, Torrey Smith, to me, is that X factor. It's an interesting one. Matt, I, I was a big fan of his in Baltimore. If he's that guy again, it, it will it will change the offense. All right, before we give our final predictions and give our thoughts on what this season's going to look like when we get to the end of it in week 17, um, I thought this could be fun. And I'm just throwing this at you so you had no time to prepare for this. So <laughs> if you want to come up with an actual headline, we could do that or just kind of a storyline. I want you guys to predict storylines you'll be writing about, we'll be talking about, down the line in this season, let's say halfway through the season, Elliot, let's say week mm -hmm. nine around the Eagles bye week, end of October ish. What's a storyline you think you'll be writing and talking about? Okay. Well, the first one, not that this will be a huge one is, but I think we'll be talking about Sidney Jones getting ready to take the field around week nine. So I, I think that'll be one, but I think when we reach that point, I think when they head to that Cowboys game, the Cowboys, I believe is week 11. It'll be coming off their bye primetime game against a divisional opponent. It is week 11. Uh, week 11 yeah. um, at Dallas. Yep. At Dallas, primetime, coming off their bye week. I think the big story there is going to be Doug really needs a win. I think this, the beginning of the season is tough. I think it's going to take some time for this team to gel together because of all the new pieces. I think when we enter the second half of the season, we're going to be talking about is Doug on the hot seat and what this team needs in the second half. Because you remember, we were kind of talking about that last year, and that was his rook. I mean, that mm -hmm. was – Peterson's first year and I do think the team rebounded well last year and you know showed effort and that they think they won their last two games including that big one over the Giants so I, I don't know how that will play out but I think when we're recording this podcast on the bye week we're going to be talking about like is Doug on the hot seat is Doug the head coach I think that's going to be the uh the the big topic I think at that point, week eight or week nine, they're going to be somewhere around 500. I think they'll be somewhere between four and four, three and five at that point. And even though Carson might be improving, I think we're going to be wondering, will the real Carson Wentz stand up? Because you know how it is in this town and you know how it knows how it goes in the NFL. If a team is winning, the quarterback gets all the credit. If a team is struggling, if a team is losing, the quarterback gets all the blame. And I think that and I've said this to a lot of people. I've written about it on the site. I think we've talked about it, Elliot, on the podcast. I just think with that schedule in the first four weeks, it's going to take some time for this offense to really come together and gel to get that timing down, get that cohesiveness down. And I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I don't think we're looking at a Chip Kelly week one against the Redskins on a Monday night shock and all at FedEx Field. And if the Eagles are three and five or if they're four and four, I think not that people are going to be uneasy about Carson Wentz, but I think people are going to wonder, OK, when is he going to take over again? 
game, when is he going to lead a three or four game winning streak? So I think that the headline going into that game against the Denver Broncos, or if you want to push it back to that Sunday night game against Dallas is, will the real Carson Wentz stand up? See, I'm bullish on Carson, and I'm also bullish on the—I think the NFC East is—there's a lot of room here for these other teams to have issues this year. We know the Cowboys. We've been talking about that for months. The Cowboys could have a lot of issues if Elliott's suspended or whatever happens with that. But I think Dak's going to naturally come off of not being as good as he was last year. I mean, the fact that he threw the ball as much as he did and only threw, what, eight interceptions? was less than ten. Uh, might have been four interceptions, actually. Uh, I just don't think he could do that again. I think Eli's fastball is gone, and I think it's a big problem for the Giants. And I think the Redskins is just combustible with Cousins wanting out, and it's weird. So my headline is, I I think we'll be talking about, is Carson now the best quarterback in the NFC heading into that game against Dallas? And we'll see how he plays and how the rest of the season plays from there. But before we get to our predictions, I I have to ask you guys, because I have had this thought for a while, and... Matt, you were just mentioning the start of the season schedule, and you mentioned earlier how much they've struggled against the Redskins. Is it totally crazy? And and maybe I'm wording it wrong, but I think you'll know where I'm going with this. Is it totally crazy to think week one is a pivotal game or a must win? I feel like the entire season hinges on can they go down to Washington and beat the Redskins? Because if they do, it's much easier to look at a schedule and navigate how they get through the beginning of the season. What do you think about the importance of this first game? Oh, I think it's a big game because it's the Redskins and you've lost to them five straight times. No doubt about that. But I'm, I'm not ready to go must win for week one. I really think, Joe, and I really think, Elliot, that that week three game against the Giants, that's the litmus test. That's mm-hmm. where you're going to find out about this team, especially if they come into that game 0-2 or if they go into that game 1-1. and And listen, for as, as much as we talk about the Eagles not beating the Redskins, the Giants struggle – Pretty historically in recent years against the Eagles, they're going to be out for a a double or triple revenge situation. At that point, Odell Beckham Jr. is probably going to be 100%. You have arguably the best cornerback, best wide receiver trio in football. And if you think about it, those are the two areas that the Eagles are not going to match up well against. The the Eagles cornerbacks are going to struggle against that giant receiving core. And and I don't know how well the Eagles wide receivers are going to match up against Janoris Jenkins and that crew with the Giants. So, guys, I'm not ready to say that the season hinges on week one, but that week three game might be as close to a must win game as you're ever going to see in the third week of a season in September. Well, that's a night that's an afternoon, I should say, that the Eagles defensive line that we all think could be good, but we're not sure they better dominate that game because the Giants, that's the weakness of the Giants is their offensive line. Eli doesn't move well. Uh, We're going to have to see it that that game. Uh, Elliot, week one Sunday against the Redskins. How important do you think this game is? It's big. Um, I agree with Matt that week three is ultimately going to be a bigger game. Um, and like I said before, I do think this team is going to start off slow, but I think the schedule sets up for them, to, from the able, for them to be able to rebound from it. So I'm not going to say it's a must win, but I just think just in terms of like setting the tone for the season, feeling good. If, if you come out and you beat the Redskins in week one, and let's say everything goes perfectly for the Eagles and, you know, Alshon has two touchdowns, somehow LeGarrette Blunt, you know, gets 100 yards like if you have things that were issues in training camp kind of show that all right it's regular season now this team is talented I think it could really springboard them um to 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 potentially great things this year I don't think they're gonna like win two or three playoff games but if they beat the Redskins week one I really honestly do think it sets a big tone for them in terms of the season um so I think it's a huge game 
it feels like it. All right, let's do it. Let's uh, let's set the tone and let's let's make our predictions. I'll start us off. We'll go to Elliot and we'll wrap with Matt. So I said earlier, I teased it. I said I think they're going to be eight and six coming home for those last two games versus Oakland versus Dallas Monday night, Christmas night against the Raiders. Um, and then the final game of the season on uh, New Year's Eve against the Cowboys. I'm going to pick them to go 10 and six. I, I think they can. Oh my God. Yes. I think they can be there. <laughs> I do. I think they're going to win both. Right. I think they're going to beat the Raiders because that's a, you know, West coast to East I agree coast game. Uh, and I think the Raiders secondary is just bad. I think the Eagles will win that game. And I think it's going to come down. I think the season comes down to week 17 Eagles, Cowboys. I think a playoff spot is on the line in that game. Uh, maybe tiebreakers are involved with a wild card or the division, depending on how the Giants play. But I think I'm going to pick the Eagles 10 and six to make the playoffs. All right, Matt, you want to go next? I can go. Uh, I'm going to go nine and seven and you just miss out on a wild card berth. And I don't know that that last Cowboys game is going to be the determining factor of the season. I think it could come down to it, but I'm more bullish on Dak Prescott than certainly you two are. And I think a lot of other people are. I think the Cowboys are in a in a better situation, even with all of their turmoil. I, I've said it before. I think the Giants are a cut above every other team in this division. And even at nine and seven, I think that the Eagles, you can, you know, feel good about that type of year playoffs or not, because that means a lot of things went your way. And Carson Wentz took a pretty big leap forward. If you went nine and seven against that schedule. So I have nine and seven, just missing out on a wild card berth. And both the giants and Cowboys make the postseason out of this division, 10 and six, nine and seven, Elliot. All right. So, all right. <laughs> last year, I all right, last year, I feel like I had a really good read on this team. I was 12 and four picking their games. And a lot of that was just, Ignoring X's and O's, just going by my gut feeling. Like, mm-hmm. I thought they would beat the Vikings, and they did. You know, I, I just had a good feeling about a lot of games on that, on that did schedule. You pick, didn't you pick them to beat the Steelers in week three, I too? picked them to beat the Steelers. I picked yeah. them to beat the Falcons. I mean, you know, major mic drop moment. I was 12-4 and four picking them. I guess, <laughs> But I guess where I'm going with this is my gut last year, I just I trusted it and, it, and it worked out. My gut is telling me they're going to be a playoff team this year. I just I can't explain it. I just feel like with Wentz and everything, my gut's telling me that. Ultimately, though, I just can't pick it. So I'm going to go against my gut, even though it helped me all last year. I just can't pick them to be a playoff team. So I think I'm going to go eight and eight with my final prediction. I have them going three and three in the division. I think they, I think they're going to beat the Cowboys twice. Um, I think that'll wow. be and yeah. And then I think they'll split with the Giants and the Redskins. To me, if you told me the the four key games that I think will really dictate the outcome of their skis their their season. Two games versus the Redskins, week six at Pan- at the Panthers, and then home game versus the Broncos. If you told me their record in those four games, I think I'd be able to tell you if they made the playoffs. So I think the playoffs is definitely a possibility solely because of Wentz. I think Wentz has the potential to be special, but I just can't pick it. So I think I'm going to go with eight and eight, but stay tuned because I have the ability to change that before Friday when I'm putting out my official prediction. But oh, I'm course. eight and eight right now. <laughs> All right, so 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8. We all of them either 500 or better, which, of course, would be an improvement uh, from last year when they went 7 and 9. This was fun, guys. It's, it's going to be a fun year. We'll do a lot of different kind of things over the course of the season. You guys are going to react to the games Sundays or Mondays, whenever they're played, right afterwards, and, and we'll get those podcasts up. And then um, one of you will join me each week to talk about the game, maybe a little bit more in depth, take some fan questions, and then a, a preview of the next game coming up later in the week. So we have a lot planned here on the No Huddle Show. Elliot, uh, this was fun. First time in a while we all came together and uh, enjoy a trip down to D.C. Wait, wait, can I say one thing before we finish? Yeah. 
yo, everyone, go subscribe to the podcast. Come on, Joe, Absolutely. where are you at with that? Like, <laughs> I <laughs> leave those five star reviews. Right, I'm yeah, rusty five star here. Reviews. I know. Look at the, the real hosts exactly. are taking over. You're right. All right, subscribe on <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're there, the No Huddle Show. And like Matt just said, uh, leave those five-star reviews. We've been getting a lot of them, and, and the more, the better to help us grow on iTunes. Matt, as always, thanks for doing this, and enjoy D.C. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to a great season, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon on the No Huddle Show.